Welcome to another amazing episode of Kazi's Audio Experience. This is the podcast where we're not only going to sharpen our technical skills, but we're going to learn to become profitable as filmmakers. What is going on, my beautiful people? Another week, another live, and this time we're going live with Brian Singler. He is such a fan favorite. I never got more DMs talking about how excited people are that we're going live with Brian Singler. For those that know, don't know who he is, he is a lead colorist who works in St. Louis, Missouri, which is amazing to, we're gonna find out like what it's like, you know, to be working over there and not be in the hot places like New York or LA. But he's worked with brands such as NFL, Premier League, I'm talking about like he's worked on movies. He just did a uh, movie called 3022, which is trending top 10 on Netflix. So you guys can check it out. He's, I mean, he's worked with AT&T, like the AAA list, like tier one brands that he's worked with. The list just goes on for freaking days. I mean, if you are into color grading, you need to be following him, okay? So what's going on, Brian? Hey man, how are you? Nice to be on. Hell yeah, brother. Nice studio, man. Love it. Oh yeah, I appreciate it. This is this is the home one, and we got the fancy one, um, you know, for clients and stuff. So yeah, rocking it. Man, I can't wait to see the fancy one. I got my acoustic panels coming in, and everything is gonna get covered up. But it's uh, with COVID, everything is taking ten years, you know, yeah, uh, yep. shipping and everything. Brother, so glad to have you. And seriously, man, I am one personally. I am so impressed by your work. I mean, it just. Dude, the range is out of control. I have a bunch of pictures that we're going to go through that I pulled from your Instagram and talk about it. But Perfect. you got such a fan base, dude. Like you got so many people that go crazy on my Facebook, uh, you know, for my paid members. Like they drop in and they go crazy. Like I'm getting Are you serious? On, dude, I'm getting messages on Facebook. I'm getting messages through YouTube. I'm getting messages here on Instagram. So out of control, dude. So, All right. <laughs> this is amazing. Brother. Um, why don't you just take the floor and, and give me a, you know, quick, you know, summary about who you are and, you know, what inspired you to be a colorist? Gotcha. Um, well, I'm originally from Alaska. And so I kind of grew, I kind of approached the whole uh, uh, color grading thing in a very different way than I think most people did. Um, I kind of grew up without access to a lot of films and movies and TV, all the things that, that most people did. Um, but I fell in love with storytelling. Um, I really grew out, grew up in the middle of nowhere. Um, and the only really access that I had growing up in Alaska, um, as far as doing something related to our field, is to go into news. So I began in news as an anchor and as a writer, primarily in sports. Um, but eventually I wanted to do something of a higher quality, something I was really proud of, something that looked, looked sounded amazing, the people, you know, actually actually watched and that wasn't you know wow. obsolete after yeah. you know the next day right so um so that's when i i started to branch out into advertising um and for a while um i was what you would call kind of uh what i call a slash right i was a dp slash editor mm -hmm. slash mm -hmm. slash motion designer slash colorist right yeah um and then and you know i really started in color because obviously i was shooting my own stuff and i wasn't happy with how it looked right it didn't look it didn't it didn't Preach. hit yeah it didn't it didn't hit my expectations so that's so i started to jump into color um, that way, um, you know, that was about, I would say 10 years ago, I started, the first thing I started out was, was Apple color. So that was, uh, that was 
definitely a while ago. Um, but, but, but from there, um, I really started to learn that, that if I wanted to do stuff at the level that I wanted, then I was going to have to kind of specialize. And so while I miss shooting and some of the other aspects of it, I really did decide that, that, that I had to do one thing to do it at the level I wanted. Um, and so I think there's something in that story, maybe for your, for, for the people who follow you that, you know, you don't have to take a traditional route. You don't have to have, you know, grown up with your dad as a famous color scientist, you know, right. like, like, yeah, like, yeah. like Jill did. You don't have to be in the big markets to, to do good work. I'm not saying it doesn't help, but, but if you're not there, you shouldn't let that kind of, uh, you know, hold you back or anything like that. So, um, so really that's, that's kind of the evolution of, uh, of how it happened. Dude, it's like, we're just, we're brothers from a different mother. Like, I mean, it's, it, this is exactly the same story. Like I'm a shooter first, went to school for cinematography and editing. And, you know, uh, I'm shooting my stuff and I'm like, what is that sauce? What is that thing that's missing? You know, and then I jump into Apple Color. Like, this is exactly how I started. And then it's just, you know, the rest is history. So it's amazing to hear that. And that's sort of like my outlook and my message to the world that you don't need to box yourself in. And especially in 2020, you don't box yourself in. You leave that channel open. Like back in 2012, it was very much like, hey, what's your niche? If you don't have a niche, you're kind of like a clown. You know, you get paid $50,000 a year as a video producer. But nowadays, I'm seeing so many people that are creative director, but then on the side, they're shooting stuff and they're making $3,500 a day. And then they're editing stuff and they're making six, you know, $1,500 a day. They're just killing it. And they're just like taking it in multiple streams of income, whatever, they're attacking it. But obviously, eventually you have to kind of, it doesn't hurt to pick a niche, but it helps you, right? Like as a cinematographer, doesn't that help you so much as a colorist? And that I say all the time, like I know the ins and outs of when I'm working with Alexa versus when I'm working with Red. And that's something that, you know, if you're just a traditional colorist, you're gonna miss out on, you know? So that is so amazing. I wanna go back to, you know, you talking about don't put limits on yourself because I think that's such an important topic because just so many messages and DMs that I'm getting every day are just like, hey, Kazi, it's really easy to work on Alexa footage, but I'm working with 8-bit footage. And I'm like, come on, bro. Or like, you know, it's really easy for you to do what you do because you're in LA and I'm in India somewhere. So like, it just, so this is amazing. I want to stick with that topic no. and let's get deeper into it. And let's talk about where you are currently. And you're working with an agency, but it's kind of out of control to be in, Missouri and not in LA and producing and working with the clients that you are. So you want to touch base on that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Well, well, you know, I mean, I think a lot of it comes down to obviously marketing yourself. I mean, putting yourself out there, doing quality work. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, do you want me to go into a little bit kind of like what I'm doing right yes. now? Is that yes. okay? So right now I'm the lead colorist at Bruton Stroby Studios, which is one of the premier um, post-production and production facilities in the Midwest. Um, they do a, I've been doing amazing photography for 40 years. I mean, just crafting beautiful images, um, really second to none kind of in, in, in this area. So right now, uh, as their lead colorist, uh, I do everything you can imagine. I mean, it's music videos, it's short films, it's commercials for big brands. It is, it is nonstop, non-ending, um, up until really a couple weeks ago, I was booked every single day for, I would say, almost two years. Um, so there is no end to, like, the amount of content. There's no end to the cool content that's being, that's, that's really being produced. 
Um, so, it, I mean, it's a really exciting place to be. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm super passionate about grading, so we can go on and on about that. But uh, that's kind of currently where I am. And it's been neat to see um, the level, the caliber of projects that I've been doing have been growing exponentially in terms of production value, in terms of budgets. And that's been happening really, really, really fast. I was a slash, you know, a DP right. slash. And I was that, that was not that long ago. That was like right. only a couple of years ago for me. So, you know, you really can enter that world really quickly if you do a good job, if you invest in people, if you learn, you know, the ins and outs, not only of the craft, I actually, and I think we should get into this at some point, but I think the craft is in some ways secondary to your ability to market yourself, to position oh, yourself, yeah. to, to, to develop relationships, to be able to execute, you know, um, when you need to, how to deal with clients in the, in the room. Like, um, so, so there's a whole lot of, uh, of yeah. that, that absolutely goes into it. But I think it's important for your followers to realize that it is possible to do great work and not, you don't have to have the amazing pedigree and live in LA or something right. like that. So. Yeah, and especially like nowadays, dude, I mean, you know, you get access to footage so easily. Like I tell people all the time, go hit up your favorite cinematographers on Instagram. People with that might not have crazy clout. I'm not talking about 500,000, you know, follower guy. Hit up like a $5,000 over 5,000 follower guy that does really awesome work and be like, hey, dude, I want to start doing more color grading. I can do it for free. Can you send me some stuff? Let me just grade it for you. And that way you got your hands on best of the best. You can use it for your reel and then you just keep climbing up that ladder. So there's so many different ways that you can take because in the, what social media did is that it took out the middleman and middleman was the death of it all. Like that was the problem when I walked into Sony Pictures uh, in 2010, when I moved to California from Chicago, I walk into Sony Pictures with my resume and my disc, you know, for, with my demo reel. And they're laughing. They're like, are you lost? I'm like, no. And they were like, what are you doing here? I'm like, oh, I want to apply for a job. And they were like, uh, what? Like, what now? What just happened? So that, like, my, my future was determined by the person at the front desk, at the receptionist. You know what I mean? Like, I'm getting blocked there. And in this day and age, we can just reach out. Hey, Brian, what's up, dude? Like, can we go live? Like, da 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 Like, love your work, man. People are going to go nuts. Da, da, da. Next thing you know, we're doing it. We just made it happen. There is no middleman. There is no person sitting there going, well, Brian is busy for the next 17 years. Like, but we can make something happen afterwards, you know? So that's what I'm talking about. You know, people need to really realize that, that this thing is just real. Like, social media is here. It's not going anywhere. People need to understand that. And the reason why I put so much emphasis on it, because last year, today, last year, today, I was still that guy who was like in the denial and saying that, ah, man, I'm working on upper echelon jobs, blah, blah, blah. Like it's social media is not all that. And this day, one year ago, I had 570 followers, literally on Instagram. And from going from 570 to 144 and what it meant for my life and opportunities and everything, it's so exponential that I still think that it's a dream. So what I'm saying is that it's important, attack it, and it's an untapped market still especially for a lot of professionals like us, because not a lot of people are presenting like how you're presenting yourself. Like you heard from me that how crazy people are. Like you have a cult, dude. People like <laughs> worship you and you're just going, what? Because the way you're presenting yourself. So yes, we will get into marketing because that's so exciting and I wanna hear it from you. And just like even you talking about it gets me excited because I feel like so many people make that not even the secondary, it doesn't even exist. Before I even jump into it, 
I want to get a little, you know, technical or not even so technical, but just get into it. So what's the weapon of choice? Like, what are you guys using? Are you guys on Baselight, DaVinci Resolve? Oh, um, we're, we're uh, entirely in, in, in Resolve. Um, I've been using Resolve since, oh, I don't know, version seven, maybe. So, so it's been a while, but yeah, no, entirely in Resolve. I'd love to be in Baselight. Um, there are definitely certain things that it has, some of the texture tools and some of the other things that I know about it are, are awesome, but it is, it is a significant investment. Um, so may, I'm hoping that that happens one day in the future, but yeah, right now, right now in Resolve and on essentially on the tools that any, anybody can get, that all your followers can grab, but at the end of the day, really it is about you as an artist, right? I mean, people, yes. clients do not care about the tool, you know, they, they care about the results. And so I think it's a, uh, it's a pretty cool day and age that anybody can grab Resolve and, you know, start, start to learn and, and, and do and climb the ladder. They're, they're democratizing it. And that's one thing that I don't understand about Baselight because what Baselight is doing is what Avid did back in the day or what uh, Flame did, you know, back in the day. It's like, guys, that stuff just doesn't, it's not cute anymore. Like you can't sell me a $150,000, you know, plan like that comes with the hardware and software just because it doesn't crash. Well, I got a Mac Pro that doesn't crash. It just works. Like, you know, it's a souped up Mac Pro and I just turn it on in the morning and I work and it just, it's fine. So no, I don't want to pay 160 or $150,000 for a dedicated tool when I can just get away with this and this does so much more. So I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. I wanted to get on Baselight. I called the, the people at Baselight and talked to them and they were like, oh yeah, we start at our base uh, plan is starting at $60,000 and you know uh, you'll get this and you'll get that and i'm like wait what now like i i, I want to learn the tool i want to see if it's even good enough for me first to even jump into it like 99.9 percent .9 of my clients are resolve only you know and just because of what you said people want access so even when we turn in the projects they're you know online editors whoever can just easily jump on and you know make a few tweaks if they need to or whatever have you um so I want to get into and ask you, are you guys on Mac PC or Linux? Like, what are you, what are you guys running operating? It's, uh, it's, it, it's really a, a mix of things, right? I mean, I would say the majority of people now in our studio are on Macs. Um, and that's a little bit more of a legacy kind of thing. Uh, I'm on a PC and I've got, there's a one other editor as well who's on a PC. Um, if you're, I mean, I don't think this is exactly rocket science or, or, or I, I guess, news to anyone but if you want to do if you really want to do color grading 3d you have to be on a pc i mean really up until the mac pros came out right i mean if you're willing to drop however much it is twenty thousand dollars on a mac right. Pro, sure but um but if you're looking for something affordable um and you know what you're doing then i really think you have to go pc and that's and that's what i've got um, I've got an amazing system. I've got a little bit, uh, you know, something we could talk about as well at some point yep. is, you know, I, I have a little bit of a background in, in IT. I spent a couple years. It wasn't my favorite time, but in IT at a post-production facility. And what a massive benefit it is to you as a colorist to have that IT knowledge, to be able to build a PC from scratch, to be able to know your data bottlenecks at every yes. single point um, to know the operating system, to know the glitches, to know when it's your graphics card driver, to, you know, I mean, I could go on and on and on, but I think that that's very, very important. And obviously for people who aren't maybe in, into that as much, or they're at a big facility and they have an IT person, then Baselight, you know, well, obviously Baselight, like you said, it's, I mean, it's a complete turnkey system. I right. can definitely see advantages to that. 
Um, there are some amazing colorists in Baselight. Um, and, you know, and, you know if, if you're trying to differentiate yourself when everyone has Resolve and then you have Baselight, I mean, I think if you're trying to make the next level, the, trying to take the next level, there's definitely something to be said for Baselight. Um, if Resolve becomes a journeyman, everyman, YouTuber tool, then Baselight begins to, to have a, a draw for you um, as you're trying to get to the next level. And certainly it has tools to it that Resolve doesn't have. There, it, it's, right. its imaging pipeline gives you something a little different. So uh, I don't know if I kind of meandered there, but uh, I think there's definitely wow. some value to, 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 to that system. But, uh, but yeah, go ahead. No, I, I couldn't agree more. And it's just like, you know, the, the back and forth on this is just, it doesn't make sense because just like you said, it's just like, those are just tools. What do you want to use, right? Like, I mean, uh, for me, I would drop, and I did drop like, you know, way well over 20 grand on my Mac Pro because for me, it, I need everything to be a turnkey operation. I wake up in the morning, I turn it on, it goes. I'm coming from PC, went to school for IT. So, you know, very similar background, like two two semesters away and I decided I want to go for a film. So I got that technical background to build everything from the ground up. And I built my crazy mad, like, you know, PC machine. And then I'm like working on a project and some weird lines are showing up and I'm like, what's going on? And I do research and spend three hours and figure out that, oh, there's, you've got to roll back your drivers for your GTX 1080 Ti because of X, Y, and Z. And I'm just like, okay, now a client is pissed. So I'm like, dude, it's not worth it. Like, I'll just drop the money because it's an investment. You're investing in your business. So you know, like it just, it goes both ways. And with Baselight and uh, Resolve, I, I definitely don't have a problem with either or, but I feel like even like when you see a company like Company 3, you know, go full on with Resolve, like that really does tell you and give you the, the potential of what that tool is. And I think that's where I step in and I keep trying to say to the film world that that thing that they're trying to create that is the, the, the thing in our industry, which is like this prestige and this like this thing and that thing. Like, I feel like those idols need to be broken down. They just need to be crushed because ultimately if Resolve can be sold for free or $300, I promise you Baselight can be sold for the same exact thing. It's like, when are they going to do it? Because Resolve used to cost like thousands of dollars, you know? So I feel like it's just going to be one of those things. Either Resolve is going to eat Baselight and then Baselight will become part of like Resolve or Baselight need to figure something out. It's just, it's just one of those things that I feel like, yes, I understand that people are just like, oh, if I really want to get to the next upper echelon level, I need to go to Baselight, but then company no. three that no. might be charging like 1500 an hour, they're using Resolve. So I'm saying to audience and people that are listening that ultimately it's not going to come down to that. It's going to come down to when you go to Brian's page and you look at his stuff and you're like, my mind is just blown on every single image. How is he doing that? Well, he's doing it on a PC and he's doing it in Resolve. So that's your answer right there. You know, he's making that magic. So ultimately it comes down to that. Um, Brian, what, like, are you guys working in Rec 709 or, or do you have a preference for your color science? Like when you're setting everything up? Oh, um, well, the vast majority of our deliverables where we are, are still Rec 709. Um, I have a feeling we're going to be going HDR very soon. Uh, I think we all know that's the future. Yeah. Um, and I can absolutely cannot wait, but obviously the investment is big and given kind of the state of things right now, that kind of probably pushed uh, our adoption of that back maybe a little bit, but, um, as far as, as far as color management and how, how, how I set everything up, um, 
Well, I think it's really important to be versatile, right? So I can grade in any sort of a color management pipeline and I have done them all. Um, and you know, what's kind of funny about that is that having done them all, I'm looking right to see which one's better, which one gets me a better end result. And what I think is really funny is that after doing them all, all my images, they still look like me like at the end of it. So, Love it, uh, so, uh, so I think color management, obviously it's, it's, it's really important from your workflow standpoint, but as, at the, it's the end result. I don't think it makes as big of a difference, especially if most of your deliverables are going to the web and go or going to yes. broadcast. Um, so I am right now in aces almost all the time. It would be not, it would be not difficult at all for me just to jump into a, a, a simple YRGB, you know, DaVinci right. YRGB managed project and do that as well. So um, I don't think it matters terribly, but uh, yeah, no, I, I, I do, I do use aces. Okay. All right. So I want to talk about uh, mostly you're working on commercials. I'm assuming, I mean, you did say that you work on all sorts of stuff. Oh, music, videos, no, movies. no, no. It's, it's not mostly commercials. I mean, it's really mostly everything. It's films, it's documentaries, it's, it's, it's movies, it's short. Yeah. It's, it is always different every week. No, uh, definitely no, uh, nothing predictable about it. That's amazing. I was going to ask you then, then I, I got to shift my question because I was going to ask you the social interaction and especially uh, in commercials, you're dealing with either you probably creative directors over like say DPs or whatnot, like, you know, when it's coming down to it. So in your case, it's going to be different in each project, uh, depending on what it is. But um, how early are you brought on? Like since you're working through an agency, or is it the same as like, you know, how company three sometimes is brought on like months in advance and they even create a look DNA or a show lot. Like, are you involved in those type of things? I would love that. Right. I mean, I really think that um, this idea that the look is created in the color bay is incorrect. I think to do it in a way that is beautiful and the simplest and the best is to do it in advance. Right. Yes. But that doesn't exist at every level, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, like Jill talking about, you know, building building LUTs with her dad and, and doing yeah. camera tests. I would love to tell you that I am, you know, that I'm getting show LUTs and I'm getting, you know, lookbooks all the time. Yes. Um, and that, that I'm brought in way early. Um, I have been brought in early twice, maybe, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I, that's the truth. Um, so, so I wish it happened. It doesn't necessarily happen all the time. I mean, you know, I mean, markets are different too, right? Like, I mean, here in the St. Louis market, that sort of thing isn't gonna happen very often. But the vast majority of my work still comes from outside, but it's not always happening there either. I mean, sometimes yes, but most of the time, no. Right, yeah, no, I mean, that's the truth, dude. And it's so great that you shed light on it because again, it just, guys, whoever is listening, like it's never this or that it's what he's saying like it's always going to be you're just going to feel it out and you're just going to run with it like that's just what it is brian let's get into it i want to know when you are on a project are are you looking at are you looked at as like oh my god we're working with brian brian just give us what you want to give us bro like just do your thing or are you told what to do or do you have to kind of like, what is that social politic? And let's talk about it, right? Like, I mean, you know, like every project is different, right? I work with- How, how, how long do we have? 
oh, we have to. No, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm joking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, exactly. You know, it's, 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 it's really funny because most of the time it's kind of like, you know, Brian, what's, what's your take on this? And I think that that's really important for your, your audience to understand is how important their unique take is on it, right? The world doesn't need another Jill Bogdanovich, another Tom Poole, another, another you, another me. It needs right. them to be their own person um, and to bring their own take to stuff. Um, so, I, so I think that's super important. Like I get worried about that there's too much kind of copying of looks like, well, let me, let me match the Martian or, or once upon a time in Hollywood or, or something like that. And, and, and the reality is I have never been asked once ever to match a look. I've been brought stuff as influences, but I've never been directly asked right. to, 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 to match something. So, I mean, most of the time um, they're bringing stuff to me and pretty much asking what's, you know, what, what's your vision? What's your take on it? And I really like that. And I was actually talking to someone about this the other day. And the thing that's really funny to me about that is people come to you for your vision, right? Right. And then they see your vision and then they go, then they want you to go back to what they're used to and they're yes. comfortable with, yes. which is, which is really funny. And it's really frustrating. And you just, and you kind of just have to go with it. Um, and you uh, make a lot of director's cuts. Right. Right. I mean, so that's, that's, that is kind of, kind of how it goes. Um, sometimes I'm given a general direction. Um, sometimes I'm not, I do spend quite a bit of time upfront talking to the directors, to the DPs, to anyone that I can get a hold of and just ask them what they want, right? What are they looking for? Can you send me references? Um, stuff like that. Um, so that's usually how it goes. Um, often I end up giving people, um, I know there's a lot of colorists who do a lot of options, right? Like here's, here's this look, this look, this look, this look. Uh, I don't really work that way. And, and that, I'm not saying my way is the best way, but I tend to go through dozens, if not sometimes a hundred looks on my own and looking at, looking at each one saying, oh, that shit, that shit, that shit, that shit, that shit, that, and continually, you know, narrowing the field until I get to something that, that I think fits the story, fits the mood, um, is still has a little bit of my style, but I, I'm, I'm more interested that, that it's right for that particular project. Um, so that's kind of how that, that process works. Um, and then from there it goes through, I mean, especially on the commercial side, as you know, um, the standard reviews and the changes and the right. back and forth and, and, and all that, that's, that's very standard. So. I think I really like your your way of approaching it. And I think that's something that people should literally write down. That's a huge tip. And that is um, what I hear from it is that you have a spine. You, you have confidence in your work. You are honest and true to what you're doing. So you're not taking shortcuts. You're putting in so much work beforehand. So when mm -hmm. you do come up with that, that look DNA for that specific project that you're working on, you're sold on it. So then it's easy for you to send it through and have them to buy in and just go, okay, right. this is legit. And I think right. that speaks volumes compared to somebody that's sending in 14 looks and just going, hey, what are you guys saying? Like, you know, look, well, look. I mean, there's there, there's a time and place. for Yes, that. Exactly. but 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 but, you know, Tyler Roth once said something that, that I really I, I really 
believe, and that is people are coming to you for a reason, mm -hmm. right? I mean, I mean, you need to, you need to have a voice. You need to have something yes. to say, and you need to say it. You need to sell it. Um, and I think as a colorist, that's really important. Now, at the same time, you also need to be flexible. When they say no, then you go a different direction. Yes. And you, 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 you deal with it, and that simply happens. And then you do the very best job within the parameters that you're given. Right. Um, and that happens quite a lot. And like I said, sometimes then you'll do a director's cut. Sometimes that will push you in a new direction that you didn't think of and that does ultimately make the project better. So, so, so what's funny about it is that, yes, I do um, really try to hone in on a look that I think will work, but that look I would hope isn't coming from just me, right? I, I'm often, I'm sending frames to the DP, um, to the director, um, you know, I, it's a very collaborative process and I try to do that as much as possible because while, while you both need to sell your own vision, you can make your vision bigger by incorporating other people. And I mean, I think, I think it's probably not necessarily a new thing to say, but it still bears repeating that if oh, you, that, that, that more than likely, right, once you start doing good work, the creative director, the DP and the director, they have an amazing sense of not only what they want, but what is beautiful. And if you're not tapping into that, um, then you're really missing out, right? I mean, my many, much of my best work, my very best work is the stuff that I let people change and I let them influence and then I, or, or they had an idea and I had an idea, we put them both together and then, and then I twisted it in some way and then it became better than it ever was, um, you know, at the, at, at the outset. So. So I do think that, you know, it'd be really helpful for your followers as well to recognize, recognize the people who are part of the project who have a really good vision, right? If you were, and, and let them be a part of the grade, but you also have to be incredibly careful of not getting too many cooks in the kitchen, but also cooks who don't have taste or style or have not, you know, don't have not researched. Like if you bring the wrong people and grab their vision, then you're in a, then you're in a really kind of difficult spot because then, then they put in their two cents and it's not good, but they're married to it because it was their idea, right? So, so I think you both have to incorporate people into the look development process, but, um, but, but, but do that in, in a way that's very strategic, I guess, and not sacrifice what you know as an artist and what you know what you've learned over the course of grading right. every single day for years and years and years and years that has massive value too so, so Dude, you, you know it's, it's a million dollar tip like i cannot stress on what you just said is it's just pure gold because what it takes is skill and confidence on your level to know like what to weed through all the things that you just said. People that are just talking for the sake of talking because they're your boss, you know, they wanna get their two cents in. And then for you to have the humility to actually go, let me think about it. Like, let me hear what you're saying because Brian is Brian. Like I do this, people love me. Like I work with, you know, one of the prestigious companies in the world, like this is what we do. But then who are you to tell me this? So you gotta have humility to kind of lower that guard down and just go, okay, let me, let me take that in. And then you try to implement it Dude, I couldn't agree more. One billion percent. I've worked on projects where the creative director, everybody hated this guy. And this guy was a pixel peeper and he sits with me. And after four hours, 
like during the break, I call my wife and I'm like a little kid jumping around. She's like, what's going on? I'm like, this dude is freaking epic. He just sits right here. He knows exactly what he wants. And we're just, we're just cooking this together. Like it just, it was so much fun because he would just keep going. And Kazi, what do you think about like, if we do this with the windows, can we do that? I'm like, let's try it. And we were just creating that together and became such good friends. And I'm just like, people, you know, it's either lack of confidence or, or this wrong attitude going into a job, just like with your eyes, you know, rolling your eyes, like, oh dude, like you gotta, you're gonna tell me this, like, this is my job. Like you gotta open yourself up. So Brian, like seriously, dude, this is, such valuable like you know material to come out of you because i i talk about it all the time and it's like you know parents giving us the same advice we hear it all the time we put it in one ear take it out the other so it's amazing it's coming from you i really appreciate it um i want to get into we're not going to get too technical but i do want to talk about you know um talk about one project that you worked on that is your favorite and it took the least amount of effort i'm talking about like your note tree or whatever that just you just did a few things and it just felt right and you kind of stuck with it. And the reason why I'm asking this is because so many people, I feel like amateurs or beginners will make that mistake that if they get to that sweet spot really fast, they think something is wrong with it. They keep pushing it and then they make it worse. Um, let me think. Uh, there, there was one particular short film that I did that was an absolutely wonderful uh, experience. It was called uh, Blood and Glory. Um, it's currently out on the festival circuit. So I think I have... I do have some shots of it on my Instagram, but that was a really neat, um, a neat project where, you know, I was able to talk to the director. The director was in L was in LA, and as I watched the film, I just I had an idea for what each for what I thought each scene should look like. I was like, this one should be really kind of yellow and sickly, and this one should be, um, you know, look look more more purple and moody, like you know, blue hour sort of thing. And um, as I went through the is project, this it or no? Yeah, uh, no, nope. That that's oh. that that that's not it. We can I I can. I'm uh, sorry, keep going. I'm sorry. Keep but going. but it was really neat, um, and it doesn't happen all the time. A lot of times, projects are a fight to get the right look. You try it over and over and over and over again, and then occasionally you get the project where you just you just kind. Of, it's funny your brain kind of turns off a little bit. Like you've been doing this for so long. I spent so many years in front of my control service, so many years tweaking contrast and skin tone that, that sometimes your brain just turns off and you have an idea and you just go for it and it just works. And I'll be honest, that doesn't happen very often. It happened on that particular project. I absolutely loved it. It was incredibly bold. Um, and, and I loved how it turned out and, and stuff. So that was, that was one example. Um, you know, what is it that, that, that creates that sort of an experience? And, and, I, and I think that's maybe the more important question. It's not my experience in that particular project, but why did that happen? Right. That happened because I spent years and years grading, only grading. Right. And so I have this, this sort of um, this huge set of images in my head, this, this huge array of techniques. And, and, and I have been saturating myself with great work. That's all I look at. I look at the very best work. I don't bother with the rest of it. And so, and, and I've read the resolve manual, the almost the entire yes. thing yeah. I, I have done literally every, almost up until a couple of years ago, when I started to know more, I did every single piece of training on resolve that existed on the internet that I could find. Um, and so, and so, 
you know, you're, you're, you're saturated in technique, in knowledge, in, in what beautiful images are. And out of that comes something that you're proud of, that, that, that the director loves, and that, that, that is a success. So I think that's maybe the most important thing for your people to understand is that, um, you know, just like an athlete, right? You know, I spent the first long bit of my career, almost 10 years covering athletes. And, you know, yeah. I saw in that time, right? Like we watch Simone Biles do something amazing, right? But what right. we didn't see is that she has worked since like the age of four or six, exactly. right? Eight hours in the gym, day after day after day. And so, and so, so I want your followers to not be discouraged when their looks don't uh, don't come out the way they want to because they can't give up. They have to put the time in. They have to sow the seeds, right? You have to sow it. Then you reap it, right? I mean, it takes a long time. You have to follow the whole process through. And then your work will get closer to the level that you want it to be at, right? I mean, if there's anything that I would want them to know that that's really, that's really the key. There is no overnight success. There's just working hard. And then you have the moment that it, it, it all blooms, blossoms. And that is a great moment. And it makes it worth it all the time, you know, kind of before that. I don't know if that answered your question, Dude, but um, I mean, that's something I, I, I believe like, in. While you're answering this question, I'm just thinking that I love you, dude. You're just, you're going through so many things. I mean, I love you and I hate you because you just answered five of my questions. And now I'm just like, what am I going to come up with? <laughs> you just uh, well, well, let's just, let's, let's, let, let, let's go through them anyway. I have learned, for example, in Resolve, you know, I mean, well, I'm just going to pick something, right? Yeah, how, yeah. how to pull a key. I've learned how to pull a key over and over and over and over again, not just in my own practice, but then through tutorials. Like, so ask it again. And you'll probably get a little bit of a different answer, maybe a yeah. different nugget in there. But, uh, but anyway, no, no, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. That is one of the things that I want to talk about. People are asking uh, his skin tones are just always perfect. What is he doing? Like, is he doing a lot of keen or is it left gamma gain? You know? Okay. Oh, how, once again, how long do we have? Um, we okay, have to, so uh, we have to, uh, we have one hour. So, I mean, it's going to end in like 12 minutes, I think. Is it or okay? Well, then 22 skin, minutes. Then, then I, no, my math is I'll, wrong. 22 minutes. Okay. Well, then I'll try to make, I'll try to make the skin tone talk as fast as I can. Um, skin tones, I believe are probably the most important thing that you can work on uh, as a colorist, because in reality, we, we as a colorist look at a still frame and we think about everything else in the frame, right? But when the video is playing, people are only looking at the face, right? I mean, it comes down to basic human psychology, you look at people's eyes, right? You look at you look at their facial expressions. So there's nothing more important um, when it comes to looks. And 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 I know that you've probably said this a million times. You can sell any look if the skin tones are correct, right? Mm -hmm. So um, so so you have to you have to work really hard at that. Um, that's where calibrated monitors come in. Um, that's where calibration comes in because I know that what I'm looking at on my DM250 right here, right. I know that it's accurate, right? So, right. so, so that's a big reason why calibration is important. Um, skin tones, it is the minutest shift of green, yes. of, of, of uh, pink. The minutest shift can make it, can make skin tones incorrect, right? So, so um, there's lots that I do 
for skin tones. Um, it really depends project to project, shot to shot. But I often grade my shots for skin tones, right? I, I, I forget about the rest of the shot and I grade it to get perfect skin tones. That's not always what I do, but often that's what I do. Um, sometimes if maybe the look is really heavy, I will grade it and I will completely not care about the skin tones. And so I will have a, a node tree developed to the look. Then I will literally turn all that off. I will put in a second layer of nodes and I will literally regrade the entire shot for nothing but skin tone. And mm -hmm. then I'll use layer mixers and things like that mm -hmm. to incorporate the real skin tone back into it. So, I mean, I could go on and on about this. Um, I mean, there's many tricks to skin tones. I mean, layer nodes are obviously important. Knowing um, how to pull your keys to be able to get, you know, really, uh, really good keys on your skin tones that aren't grabbing their eyes right. and their eyebrows or stuff in the background is really important. Um, I think color compression is something that's that's really important in skin tones as well. Um, you know, for example, you know, I was watching the uh, the the Marvel movies a couple months ago, and I and I looked at Iron Man's skin, and I said, you know what? There's zero hue variation in his skin, right? I mean, if if human skin is this yeah. complicated mix of yeah, yellow, yeah. green, red, right? right. Uh, Marvel movies have taken it all out, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. So, so I was like, how do I do that? So I, I got the color compressor in Resolve. So, so color compression um, is an important thing to, in, in certain techniques, is to unify the hue. So there's only really one hue, right? Yeah, yeah. But that also doesn't necessarily feel organic. So that's not always the right way to a, approach skin tones. Um, sometimes you, you don't, you know, you don't need that. Sometimes it needs to look more natural. Um, right. Sometimes it needs to look more stylized. I mean, sometimes they need to look like a zombie. You know, I mean, it's so so it's yeah. all dependent on on the project. But yes, yeah, skin tones are incredibly important. Um, I think for your followers to um, to examine or, or to learn about how do retouchers um, tackle portraits, right? I think that's very important. I was wow. um, an a, an amateur, very amateur photographer, um, but uh, but I learned a lot about people's skins and about sharpening uh, sharpening eyes and I brought paying attention to every little bit. So, like for example, the the image you've got you've got pulled up right there. I mean, yeah. I've got like twenty plus nodes on that bottom image, right where I've split out everything. I've split out her eyes from her pupils, from her corneas to her eyebrows to her hair. You know, I've sharpened her hair. I've, I've color compressed her skin tone. I've grabbed the speculars in her skin and I've popped those separately from the rest of it. So, so I can't yes. think of anything yes. that's much more important than skin tones. Oh, I hope that didn't take too long. I could go on. No, on dude, tones, that's amazing because this is the thing. It's like, I get, I get so much heat um, by some of these oldies that are more like Tech, technical people than colorists and they lose their ish. They see my grade and they go, because I'm coming from commercial world. I mostly do commercials, sometimes music videos, but I don't do a lot of features or shorts. So like, you know, I'm not into like, oh, the show light was created and then I just had another note and this is how like everything was perfect. The DP lit it perfectly. So in the commercial world. So, sometimes that's appropriate though. That sometimes is appropriate. that is all. Sometimes that two nodes and you're done. 
that that right. that 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 is absolutely appropriate sometimes there is a time and place for it absolutely you're working with deacon you know then that's what's going to happen mitch paulson like is grading a movie in two two and a half weeks while roger is sitting with him so i mean you know that blows my mind that blade runner is graded in two and a half weeks are you kidding me but i mean it there must be so much work that's done to get to that level and then mm -hmm. you know achieve that image that's a different story on a commercial what you just said is 100 percent normal so like i used to get so much heat like you know uh six or eight months ago where people are just going to be like nobody grades like this blah 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 what is going on here and i'm just like i do this i get paid for doing this for years and years you have to like isolate each thing and then we talk to eric whip and, the guy. in in the in the right project though right, the right so project. the so the project that 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 you have right up there is a 15 second spot that i probably took I probably took, well, there was multiple 15 second spots, but I probably took 12 hours on it, right? Right, exactly. But, but, but when I did 3022, mm -hmm. I, pulled, I pulled skin tones and did my layer node thing on like a handful of shots because right. I can't do it, right? So yes, it's not exactly. always, it's right. not, I, I, on, the, on those shots that you pulled up right there, I did not specifically extract their skin tones. There was not enough time. I've yes. got 1600 shots. I've got 200 VFX shots in that, in that yes. movie. So, so I, so, so you can't do, so you have to pick, you have to pick those moments very carefully. And you also have to pick it obviously based on the project, right? I mean, the one you pulled oh, beforehand, that was for Biore for, for, for right. their skincare products. So that's a little bit of a different of a situation than, um, than Angus McFadden right there from Braveheart right. on the bottom of that, of that yeah. screen where, where, you know, he's meant to look rugged in that particular scene. He's, he's blasted himself out into space and he's, he's, he's committed suicide. Right. So, whoa, whoa, so whoa. If, well, people are going to watch this movie tonight, <laughs> but, but, but my, my, my point is that that approach, you've, you've got to really be careful on that approach because uh, you, you have to be grading for a long time to know when you yes. can do that, when you can separate it and when you can't. Yes. And most of the time, Honestly, most of the time you can't. You're booked every single day. Yes. If I take that long on a specific shot, I will I will be three hours, I will get home three hours late that night. I will get three hours less sleep and I will come to you know the studio the next day and I will not have enough energy and enough time to finish the rest of the project. So you really, that's where I think experience really moral, comes to Exactly, and the moral of the story here is that you know there will never in the life of a colorist will be one size fits all. That just does not happen. You're gonna work on one commercial that will require three nodes. You're gonna work on another commercial and, and uh, one shot will require 23 nodes and the next shot will require four nodes. So it just always is going to be that. People need to open up their minds. That's just the way it is. I've worked on campaigns you know, for, for Nissan and big companies where they have four different cameras, five different cameras. So it's not always going to be like, hey, if you're working on big budget stuff, it's always going to be Alexa. And that's the way it is. So you have to learn how to work with 10 bit, 8 bit image, you know, from DJI and like mm -hmm. you're getting that chatter, like how do you get rid of that and Moire and things like that. So you have to open yourself up to all of those. But then people who think that it's, it's a cakewalk to work with Alexa and Red, that's not true because you will be surprised how much uh, experience you need to know how much you can push these images. When you're working with 12-bit and 16-bit images, the amount of push and, and, and abuse they can take, you even have to develop a skill to do that as well. Because so many people I see that just mm -hmm. have the money and they have Alexas and they're doing a Rex 709 look and they don't know how far they can push it. 
And then they learn how far they can push that image compared to their A6500 or A7S2. And then they go, oh my God, my brain is blown. So, you know, it just, it's never gonna be one size fits all. And what he's saying, like every project, every shot is gonna be different. I wanna pull up another image and talk about it. And this is so amazing that you said that. First of all, um, I, I encourage everybody to watch the 3022, right? On Netflix, mm -hmm, correct. So, so yep. everybody watch that. I'm gonna be watching it actually tonight, dude. Got a brand new 77 OLED CX and never got a chance nice. to turn it on. Never even got a chance to turn it on. So probably that's gonna be the first movie I'm super <laughs> stoked to watch. Well, unfortunately, it was not done in Dolby Vision, and unfortunately, they didn't even. Um, I, I I killed myself to give them a 4K deliverable, and they didn't. They gave what? a 1080 deliverable. Yes, it, I you know. You can't what? control certain things. It, it, that's one of the more frustrating things about being a colorist is that you can't always control. Once it leaves your hands, you dude, know what's what's I got, what's going to happen. I got happen, scars so. here, dude. Like I just uh, I worked on this music video. Now it's sitting at fifty million, and it's an amazing music video. But the conversion from Resolve, like how I delivered oh, you know, yep. four 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 they, XQ to what happened in Premiere Pro, yes. and when I saw the music video, yes. I was just like that. This. Just. That just happened to me, just happened to me on a beautiful video. I'm like, that's not what I gave you. What did you do? And so, so you know, obviously you reach a point where you begin to, um, you know, obviously I know the pipeline really well. You know the pipeline. Right. Follow up, right? Follow up right. With, with everybody. Follow up with, with the label. Somebody from the label is posted who doesn't know. Oh, and so it's God. like, uh, yeah, I, I, I do um if it's like a lower budget project i try to follow it through all the way to the end because uh it only takes uh right you only have to pinch a hose at one point along the uh, you know along its length to ruin everything so yeah and, and I, you know, I feel your pain there you've done everything right editing cinematography so you know all those steps too editing is the same way because i still um and you know i'm a um local 700 editor and I edit a lot, but it, dude, it breaks my heart so many times because I'm a crazy dude when it comes to sound design. I go in, like I'm just like, I got like 27 nodes or layers, but I'm not one of those guys that just have like 80 video layers and 80 audio layers. Like everything has a purpose and it's like organized, I'm super OCD. So like I sound design the F out of my projects, then it goes to for mix. And this one client that I work with that I'm not gonna mention their name, dude, this sound designer every single time kills just absolutely murders just chokes my sound design and then i can never use those projects for my freaking website like for anything and i'm talking about a big client and i can't use those projects because i'm like people are going to be like dude everything was great the sound sucked and it was like driven by sound effects so yeah like there's so many there's so yeah, many and I, things and I, that we can't can't uh, i'm sorry there's so many parts like when it comes to finishing or like editing or whatever that are just out of your control you just like send it off and you just can cross your fingers gotcha and, and and i think the important lesson in there as far as color goes is to remember that every dp has told me the horror stories of that happening to them in the color bay yes. so where they shot something beautiful and then the colorist ruined it so um you know that's the whole thing i wanted to talk about at some point was for your followers to realize what they're holding in their hands when they um, you know, when, when they have somebody's project, they're carrying the, the, the work of that DP, that could be, that could be a shot or a project that, 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 that talent needs to further their career. That's the success of the end company. That's wow. whether that company still works with the agency. You're holding wow. so many, you know, you're holding so many people's futures, their hopes, their dreams, 
um, in, you know, in, in your project and you have control over whether you're going to, whether you're going to screw that up or whether you're going to make them look better and come back to you again and again and again. And so I think that's uh, uh, something, something really, uh, really important that people need to need to remember. Dude, this right there is like, I mean, I, I, I got freaking goosebumps because it, it's the ultimate truth. Like it, it doesn't matter what we do, even if you're a PA on, you know, on set, like you have to carry that attitude that literally people are going all in, you know, and, and most of, unless you're hooked up with a big agency, big company, or you are a big name in your field, um, people in filmmaking don't make a lot of money. There's just so many of like, do it for the credit, do it for this, do it for that. Like, you know, uh, $400 a day, 250 a day. Like people are just not making a lot of money compared to somebody fresh out of college in IT, you know, starting at six figures. So you have to be respectful for what he's saying. And if you go in with that pride that you're going to give your all and you're going to do justice to whatever that is that you're, you know, being part of, I feel like you're going to put out the best work and then you're gonna create that snowball effect. I mean, I started freelancing in 2012, I never looked back. I, I, this is my office for life. And even when I'm working on, unless it's a super crazy client and like, you know, for security purposes, they want me to come in and work from their office. It just, everybody knows that just send me the stuff. I'm good here. I got one gig down, one gig up. I'm gonna be sending you 40 gig files in like eight minutes, 10 minutes, like we're good. Like, I mean, it's better than you stepping from your office and walking into mine. Like it's faster than that. We can just transfer that data, we'll be good. So it's like, if you just take pride in your work and go all in and have that empathy, what you know Brian is talking about, it changes everything, brother. Uh, I do want to bring one thing up before we're off. Like, dude, I think I watched this commercial like maybe 40 times in the last two days. And I love that commercial. Yeah, dude, it's like, what did you do? Like these AT&T colors that you captured here, they are oh, in yeah. the so, bones. So, so, so that was a fun one. Um, so, uh, backstory that I just think is really fascinating is that that's actually not an airport. That's a convention center that they built to be an airport. So um, you have to give a massive amount of credit to the people involved um, for, for obviously giving you great images. And that's something that, that I think is important for your audience to realize is that, is that, is that the most difficult part about being a colorist is at the beginning when you're working with the worst images, you're working with the most difficult people, um, the quality of the footage is, is, is right. and the quality of the storytelling. Is, but, but, but once things get better, once, once, if you can hang in and keep growing and get to a point, you'll get to a point where you'll get projects like this and it's much easier. Now I did a massive amount of work on this particular um, project. So, so on these images, the one thing that I did um, was kind of exactly what I talked about. Um, I put all their skin tones on their own layer. Um, but uh, actually, so, so, so if you look at that, that crowd shot, for example, so the one thing I did in this was I, I, I did a key of everybody's skin tones um, except for hers, right? And so I did a hue and I did color compression so that all their skin tones are exactly, almost exactly the same. And the reason why is because they're, you know, in the, in the, in the story of the spot, is that you know she's kind of all alone and she's got this huge crowd she can't get done what she's going to need to do the the crowd is kind of a metaphor for a congested internet you know network it, yeah. so i wanted all, so i wanted all the people to feel homogenous like they're one big group that's yes. kind of getting in her way so so i think that's important 
um, you know, for, for, your, for your audience to understand is that they have to understand the story and to be able to translate the story into how, in, into the grade. And so that's why having this huge um, array of techniques that you've built up over time is so important because then, they, then you can pull them out of your bag and use them yeah. when it's necessary. And if you're just gonna kind of wing it when you get, when you get your project, you know, right. you're, you're, you're not going to come out with a, with, with, with a great result. So I think that was one of the, the, the key things that I did, separating their skin tones, you know, layering them back over the top of the original grade, um, and then just pushing, you know, obviously pushing the undertones, um, grabbing the neutrals, pushing them into the AT&T color palette, um, and then I, I shot match that one to death, right? That's not something that's necessarily the funnest part. Um, but but it's really important to go back and forth over every shot over and over again. You know, the highlights are a little bit more pink in this one, a little more green in this one, going back and forth, back and forth, and then split screening them all and, and, and doing every comparison tool that you have. Once right. again, going back to why you need to know your software really well, right? right. I mean, I know, I know every comparison tool um, in Resolve, and I know how to get to it immediately so I can right. do it really fast because I had... I had wonderful agency people sitting there right with me the right. whole time. Right. Um, so, so, you know, um, that's really kind of the story of that one. This one was shot, uh, shot um, Alexa ProRes on, on, on the mini. So it was beautiful to start with the, obviously, I mean, as a colorist, in many ways you are defined by the quality of the footage that you get. In this case, this was yes. absolutely beautiful. Um, and I think I was able to take it up a notch. I did, Lots of you know, lots of beauty work on her. Once again, that and that that goes into why being a diverse colorist is so important, and why I talked about I do music, I do music videos, you know, I do fashion, sports, blah blah blah, right? Because because you pull, um, the more you do, um, the more you can pull techniques from different genres uh, and, and and bring them in, right? So also the fashion work that I've done, I'm able to take all that and I'm able to put that yes. onto her, you know, her her close up. And stuff like that. So that's that's why I think as a colorist, you need to do a diverse range of stuff, and that's why I also think it's important for your audience to realize that at some point they're going to have to become. If you want to do stuff at the budget level of like that one, uh, which had a very good budget, um, at some point you're you're going to have to become just a colorist. If you're a slash, you're 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 not going to have had enough experience in enough different genres. You're not right. going to have graded footage outside of what you've done right. to be able to have the techniques in the bag to use them when you need them. Brother, I mean, oh my God, dude, there was some carpet bombing of just value bombs left and right on this live. Thank you so much for taking the time. Like genuinely, dude, just, I mean, I can't wait to see all the DMs that I'm going to get. It is incredible. Guys, I pinned his page, it's super simple, Brian Singler, one word. Give him all the follows. I mean, this guy deserves it more than anyone else. Brother, thank you so much for joining us. Do you have any last parting words? Do you have just maybe one advice, just something to just blow them away even more? Um, well, I mean, I think it kind of goes back to something that you said at the very beginning, which is, which is reaching out to DPs and cinematographers, right? Um, to, to grow as a colorist, you have to grade all the time, right? All the time. And that means you have to have a steady stream of 
work coming in and you, you, you do that by building relationships. And so if there's anything that, that, your, that your followers need to understand is that they need to work as much on getting the content as they do on what they're doing with the content once they have it. You know, your, your, your skills at spinning the wheels are only, are only one part of it. If you don't have anything good to create, it doesn't matter, right? right. So, so who you are as a person, how you, you know, how you develop relationships that last over a long period of time, you know, exactly what you said, going to DPs and saying, hey, did, did you have a commercial that, that somebody graded and they didn't do a good job? Can I redo it? Can I do your show reel? Go to a post-production company and say, hey, I just want to learn. Can you just give me some practice footage? Like, like do anything you can to get as much practice as possible because that's the only way you're going to get better. Um, so, so you've got to work as much on your relationships, as much on sheer quantity, right? I mean, how did Michael Jordan get as good as he was, right? How, how much practice, right? His practice is legendary. And, 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 and the um, number of reps were, is legendary. How many times did he shoot his fadeaway, right? right? I mean, I think, I think, you know, he practiced this fadeaway on thousands and thousands of times. And there's a direct correlation between, you know, to your followers that, that, that you're going to have to grade a whole lot of shots. And right. you know what, if your project doesn't turn out the way you like it, then, then it's not worth, um, beating yourself up about it. It's not worth maybe even going back to it, but going to the next project and going and going and going and going, building over time. You know, it's kind of like building a, a, a card castle, right? You build a card castle one card at a time and you don't quit before it's only halfway built, right? And you've got to keep adding, right? So every project is another, is another one. There's another new technique. You know, every shot is like a snowflake, right? It is completely different, completely unique. And you need to have in your mind a database of thousands of shots that you've graded and you've approached each one in a slightly different way. So that way when the pressure is on, you have no time, agency is behind you um, expecting something that you're able to pull from that and get what you need. And the only way you can do that is by doing it over and over and over again. And I think people are, are kind of expecting that that they can grade every once in a while yes. and they're going to get something amazing. Right. And, and it just doesn't, it just doesn't work that way. It's like, it's like, well, what's that famous quote from Aristotle? Uh, excellence is, is therefore not an act, but a habit, right? Yes. You know, yes. you know, all, all of my work is now at a certain level. Uh, not where I want it to be, but it's all at a certain level. You're not training for a peak moment. Yes. As a colorist, you're, you're, you're not like waiting for the moment someone drops the feature and then it's going to be amazing. Right. It just, it just doesn't work like that. So, so I would just encourage people to, to really value quantity. Yes. Quality is important, but quantity is, is as important and speed. I'll, I'll, I'll end on that. Most people don't realize how important speed is. We didn't address that today. We address it another time, but if you are not fast, you will not make it. And so anything you can do to improve your speed, whether it's, it's literally practicing on your control surface. Me, I, I made a whole list of shortcuts in Resolve. Um, I put them on a spreadsheet and I had my six-year-old drill me on them. You know, they, so I would be like randomly, tell me how to do, you know, a split, split screen, your gallery view. And I was like, well, what's the key combo? And, and so I had her drill me on that, right? So, so anything you can do to build your speed as a colorist is going to be so important because even if you have a whole day 
to do a 15 second spot. You need to get the base grade done as fast as you can yes. so that you can then, so then you can do the 27 windows on her face, right? But if it takes yes. you too long to get the base grade, then you're, you, you can't, you can't go to the next level. So, so, so I guess that would be the, those would be the couple of things I'd leave everyone with is build your speed and build your quantity. Dude. I mean, I'm speechless. Love you, brother. All right. Absolutely. Hey, let's, let's do this again sometime. We have to, we have to thank you for joining. All right. You got it, man. Oh my God. I mean, this guy, I like, how often do you guys see me speechless? Absolutely incredible live. Um, it's going to go on our IGTV so you guys can watch it later. Brian, once again, thank you, brother. Uh, his, uh, page is pinned in here. Go give them all the follows. What's up, Mark? Mark Todd Osborne is live. I mean, this guy has worked on so many epic shows. We got to bring them live eventually. Um, thank you, everybody. Uh, this was so incredible. This is so incredible. Actually, I'm, I'm excited to watch it again because when I'm watching it, I'm listening, but then I'm coming up with questions. I almost want to watch it as a viewer to, to take it in because Brian, he swims in the Kool-Aid, okay? And, and what he just said about uh, you guys know my thoughts on that too. Like, you know, perfection equals uh, procrastination. Okay. It's, it's just a fancy word for procrastination and people are just like, Oh, we're, we're working on it. We're figuring something out. No, do it, do it, figure it out later. Okay. Uh, build the plane while you're flying it. So that's the, that's what I'm going to leave you guys with. Love you all until next time. Thanks for joining us. As if you enjoyed this episode, share it with friends, subscribe to this channel, and I will see you in the next episode.